remember the story about King Midas? In Greek mythology, it is told that he really loved gold. He couldn't get enough of it. He liked how it glittered and shined in the sun, and it made him feel special and wealthy and important. He deserved it, after all. He was the king. One time when he was entertaining Dionysus, Dionysus was pleased with his experience and so offered King Midas one request that he would gladly give. The king requested that whatever he touched would turn into gold. Dionysus granted his wish, and Midas quickly tested his new gift by touching all the roses in his rose garden. They glittered in the sun after being converted, and he was so excited, he began touching everything in sight. Now, when his daughter came to him to complain that all the wonderful roses were now gold and had no fragrance at all, he reached for her to comfort her, and of course, she turned into gold. Brokenhearted, he turned to his servants to bring him wine and food to comfort him, but he quickly realized that he could not drink or eat as the goblet, the wine, and the food would all turn to gold. Now, there are two endings to this story. There's the children's version that says that Dionysus heard his cry for help and told him to wash himself in the river and all would return back to normal. But the original myth stated that he died from his greed and love for gold. The story surely captures the imagination and gets the point across pretty clearly. Greed can be our undoing, or that maybe we should be content with whatever we have. Not everything that we dream about is good for us, and this is a harsh reality or a lesson, especially for those who have access to many pleasures, such as Solomon did. See, Solomon's end of the matter, when you read in Ecclesiastes, was that everything is meaningless. And that seems like a very discouraging thought when you you think about Solomon and all that, that he was and all that he had written and all the people that he had influenced. But he had come to that conclusion only after having tasted and seen and, and experienced every pleasure. He said, I did not deny myself of any pleasure. And when he came to that conclusion, You know, I think we can all agree with that conclusion that those things that we dreamed about for years, after a while, they just lose their luster. They most certainly, over a period of time, they don't give us the same kind of joy as the 8x10 color glossy advertisement showed us. And that is the human condition. That is the situation that we find ourselves in, is that we look to material things, we look to stuff to bring us joy. And what we will find is we will come to the same conclusion that Solomon did, that it in the end does not provide us. It's meaningless because Solomon perhaps didn't really have what we have, and that is the knowledge, the experience of being fulfilled and truly content with a God who loves us and will never leave us or forsake us and always bring us the fruit of the Spirit of joy of real peace. And we've got to ask ourselves the question when it comes to these material things, did we really ever need it? You know, Solomon clearly hoped that all that who read his words his words and will read them today would be content with whatever God supplied. And that that really was kind of his closing our argument was that look, look to God. Look to the supplier because he is going to know exactly what you need and when you need it. And essentially he said, look, enjoy the one life that you're given. 
in whatever circumstances you, sell, you, you find yourself in. And that is, of course, the biggest challenge, isn't it? And I think that in this world, what is really selling and what is really can, coming across as being the thing that, that captures the imagination, the heart, the passion, even the anger of people is that I don't have what I deserve. I don't have what they have. And when we live in a place of comparison and we live in this place of always, I would be happier if, then we'll never have that wonderful gift that Paul talks about, and that is contentment. See, this, this idea of contentment, I believe, is a character quality that doesn't have to be learned the hard way. But unfortunately, in this world, it most often is. It's, it's, it's worked into the very fabric of our biblical teaching going all the way back to Eve, Adam and Eve. Eve's original sin was one of curiosity and ultimately the desire to have more than what was graciously given to her in the garden. Her gift was what? I'll tell you what it is, and we'll talk about that a little bit here in a minute. It was simplicity. See, the devil tempted her with the knowledge and the possibility of being like God knowing the difference between good and evil. Now, just think about that for a minute. How would Eve even know that that would be something that she would desire? She didn't even know the difference between it. She, she could only, what the temptation was, you're not getting something that you could have. And so he appealed to the need, to the selfishness, and of course, what we would call lust. But ultimately, it is that curiosity that kills the cat. It's, it's the thing that causes us to say, well, would I be happier with something more? And so it sounded good because she did not know what to compare it to. She was living in paradise. Isn't that interesting? She already had everything she needed. But when she began to think of maybe there was something that she would make her happier, and of course, that is the devil's deception. And as the story goes, it wasn't until she lost it did she really know what she had. When she lost the wonderful place and significance of paradise and that promise of, of wonder, uh, of, of meeting with God in the cool of the day. And always, you know, when I say simplicity, I really mean it. I think, what, what would people spend to have a life of, of simplicity? Which is why, you know, people work all their life to say, I can't wait for that last seven to 10 or maybe 15 years of retirement to just really be able to do nothing and have, and get up in the morning and really have nothing to do, but to just enjoy the simplicity of life. Well, it's interesting because we would see that as paradise, and maybe what we learn as we get older is we really didn't need all those things in the first place. What we really wanted was simplicity. See, the garden was most assuredly beautiful and complete. It had everything they needed. But its biggest value in my mind, again, was the simplicity. Talk about an easy life, right? No worries, no concerns. Your food is there. You didn't have to, you didn't have to plant seeds. You didn't have to cut out the the, the uh, weeds, you didn't have to worry about anything. That was paradise. No battles, no family conflicts, no pretty much a vacation all the time in paradise. Why would anyone ever want to give it up? Well, it's simple, because discontent entered into the garden through the temptation, 
And that temptation was, I don't know, I, I, I think I could be happier if I had that material thing or if I had that relationship or if I had what they have. And that, my friends, is really describing what's going on in our world today. And, and if the enemy uses discontent to cause conflict and struggle and the breaking and the, the fighting of nations, then my goodness, does that not come home to roost you know, in our own lives? Well, Paul speaks to us through his letter to Timothy in 1 Timothy chapter 6, 6-10. And let's listen to his advice as he was led by the Spirit to speak into this very topic. He says, but godliness with contentment is great gain. He's saying that's essentially, that, that is what you're really all looking for, is to be like God and then be content with the situation that God has prepared for you, your purpose, your place, your boundaries, which have fallen in pleasant places. Well, let's keep going. He says, for we brought nothing into the world and we can take nothing out of it. That's a, a very stark reminder, isn't it? But if we have food and clothing, we will be content with that. Those who want to get rich fall into temptation and a trap into many foolish and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. That really describes what's going on in our world when we think in terms of what is really driving this world. See, John described it as the Babylonian spirit. And it's interesting because Babylon did not even exist in the time of John. But it was something well known that Babylon had control historically over Israel, and it was a place of of, of utter control and desperation for seventy years while they were in when they were captured there. So it always went on to be this global force that was sucking up nations, and it was all about more, more, more greed, greed, greed. And so John, by the Spirit of God, sees that spirit of Babylon as being kind of the, the, the what describes it all that goes on in the world. And so we see that. And so he's describing what this Babylon spirit, this, this temptation to want to have things, he, he, he's just breaking it down. He says, those who want to get rich, those who, want to, who are discontent with what God has provided are going to fall into a greater temptation and a trap, and it's going to, there are many foolish and harmful things. It makes me also think of Proverbs. I think it's chapter 16. It says, God blesses the, the righteous with wealth, and he adds no trouble to it. Now, that's when you need to think about. He goes on in verse 10 of that, of 1 Timothy 6. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. Some people eager for money have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. Well, he brings it home here. He says it's the love of money that is the root of all kinds of evil. It's not the money itself, of course. I mean, we got to have money. And all. And we talk about currency. And, of course, this is all something we're talking about right now, whether it be cryptocurrency or whether it be a fiat system, the monies, the cash in your hand, which is all just a promissory note of hopefully representing something. And then, of course, it's it's all a a bit of a Ponzi scheme as it, as it goes down, as they say, even to this day. What does our money really represent? So, but I'll tell you what it really does represent when we're looking at what we're reading here is it represents 
greed. It represents this world system. Now, we can't extract ourselves from it. We can't just say we can't, we, we, we can't say that it's the money that is evil. No, it's the greed behind it. It is the constant wanting to get more and more and more, to have influence, to have power, to have control. That is the Babylonian system. That is the demonic demise. And he says, you know, some people, now he's talking about Christians here, some people who have been eager for money have wandered from the faith. Interesting. He's not saying that they fell away from grace. He's not saying that they became demonic or they were opposing. No, he said they wandered away. So it took some time. And it's not to say that they wandered away completely from their relationship with God, but they are no longer representing the kingdom of God. They're no longer representing a—if they're wandered away, then they're no longer following Jesus. They're not following being a Christ follower. And so Paul is bringing this up to say, you know, contentment is a wonderful gift, and he actually shares this in another place in Scripture where he says, you know, I've learned to be content with all things, you know, that, you know, he, he, he says, I used to have a lot, and then there was a period of time when I didn't have a lot. And we can read about that in the book of Acts. Essentially, I think we can uh, conclude that Paul grew up in a fairly well-to-do situation if he had access to Gamaliel and his training and mentorship, if he was on a fast track to becoming, you know, a an impacting, maybe even a Sanhedrin member. Well, so he was saying, you know, I, I'm used to having a lot of wealth. And then when he came to gave his life to Christ, he he had to walk away. He was thrown out of the synagogue. He was thrown out of that place where he can have access to, you know, wealth. And then he becomes a tent maker. So he's now using his hands, and that's perhaps something he had never, ever experienced. He went from being a white-collar guy to a blue-collar guy just so that he could advance the kingdom of God. And so he is sharing that as part of his testimony and saying, you know, I used to be a guy that had a lot, but then I've also known what it is to be cold and, and to not have any food and to go without for a long period of time, shipwrecked, imprisoned, all of it. And yet he said, I've learned to be content in all things. He says, I've learned that. And in Philippians is where he says that in Philippians chapter four, he says, I'm not saying this because I'm in need. What he's saying is I'm not trying to manipulate you to say that I've got a, I got a need. He says, because be honest with you, he says, I'm, I've learned to be content in all circumstances. He says, I know what it's, what it's like to be, have need and I know what it's like to have plenty. He says, I've learned the secret of being content in any and every situation. And you notice he said, I've learned whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Wow. Did you know that that, that verse right there, Philippians 4.13, is connected to his struggle there? I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. So contentment is certainly connected to this idea that, you know what, I can, I can learn to live with less if that's what God has for me now. Well, you know, this is a bigger discussion. This is something. But the goal here in our, in, our, in our podcast here today is for us to pray and ask God to help us with this, this, this idea of contentment, that we can embrace it, that our hearts would be open to it. Because if we're always, you know, out of balance, if we're always looking 
for something more to make us happy, then we're never able to settle into the place that God has for us right now. And that is the key. And that is what Paul is telling us he has learned, is that if he has go- if he's going without for a season, then God is in it, and that God is preparing him. There is something that is going on inside him. See, going without sometimes helps us to learn to be more grateful for what we have. And when that time comes for us to receive more, we receive it with even greater gratitude. But yet we live in this world, it doesn't seem to be that gratitude exists at all. That we live in one of the most rich and, and, and lush countries in the world here in the United States. And, and, and we can, there's food in every corner, there's, there's shelter, there's, there's places, in, in especially in our, in our cities. We are wealthy, we are rich with family, with comfort, and yet there are still those who despise it. There are still those who are unhappy with what they have, and they'll never be, they'll, they will never be happy. So what is it that attacks that contentment? Well, I'll tell you what it is. It's greed. Greed is the giant of our generation, of course, every generation, but it's, it's one that we're struggling with right now. And I think if you're a believer and you're following Christ, then you need to be aware of this, that greed is not far from your door if, if we're not careful. And the enemy is going to use that to make you discontent. So how do we slay that giant? Well, I'm going to give you some real quick ideas, and then we'll be finished for today. But here's just some ideas. How to slay the giant of greed. Number one, be a giver. Nothing can deliver us faster from greed than to give what we have away. God, of course, gave his son. This was all by example. For God so loved the world that he gave. Just stop right there. And it shows us, and of course, Jesus had so much that he could have taken advantage of, but he didn't. He just served and he served and he gave and he gave, and eventually, of course, giving his own life. So that is our example. The joy comes to the door when we do not hold so you know, in a grip, the things that God has given us. And, you know, I've had to learn that. I grew up in some measure of poverty, and so many of you may have. Some of you haven't. And yet I did, and I learned that, that once I started gaining some things, I held on to it, and I, I found that greed was, was rising up inside of me because I was fearful that I wouldn't have it anymore. And then when I began to learn, no, this, this didn't come from me in the first place. This came from God. My blessing comes from him, and I'm going to honor him with that, and I'm going to bless others with that. And, you know, uh, I've done some things that way that have really helped to slay that, that giant of greed in my own life. Number two, to think twice and even three times before buying something that is a luxury. You know, obviously, there's the question, can you afford it? Elon Musk, he, he's kind of been in the news lately. He says that if you can't buy what you're looking for twice, then you can't afford it. Now, I don't know how that stands up to real truth or not, but I think it's helpful advice from a guy who's worked with a lot of money and a good thought that we think twice, even three times before we pull the trigger on buying something that's a luxury or even just a real want. Now, if it's a need, then clearly that is something then that we can pray and ask God and say, Lord, would you provide? But when it comes to those luxuries, that's one way that we can not feed the beast, to be careful. Three, rediscover the joys of simplicity. We use that word today, simplicity. Rediscover them. Remember, this world 
has perfected the the the, the, the tapping tapping into our proclivities to de- to desire something that we really don't need. In other world, in other words, the, the the advertising, everything, it just knows how to target us. And we're we're living at a, a rate right now where programming, predictive programming, brainwashing, brain control, mind control exists. People, it's it's there. I was just talking with that with my friend here, and just saying that that our phones are listening, our watches are listening to us, our computers are listening to us, and they're they're creating a profile regarding what our what our dreams and wishes, and they even can predict at the age of your life, where you're living in the part of the country, so on and so forth, what you want. And they're going to really go after that. So rediscover simplicity. That will slay that. That'll go in the other direction to say, you know what? I can learn to live with what I have and really enjoy it. It's like the child who's sitting there with, on Christmas Day that gets a gift and they open it up and it's this toy that's just shiny and awesome. But then the child is more intrigued by the box that it came in than the toy itself. Now that ought to tell us something. <laughs> it's all about what brings us joy. It's not about the actual thing. So maybe there's skills that you have. Maybe there are things that you can do outdoors. Maybe there is a, a discovery of, of, of just hiking and doing those things which are free that God provides, discovering skills that you didn't even know you had that don't involve large amounts of money. That, that's a great way to slay that giant of greed. Resist the urge, number four, resist the urge to, to like or to be, I'm sorry, to be like everyone else. God made us as individuals, and people will plunge themselves into debt to try to be like someone else. We see that. It's like you show up someplace and everybody's dressed exactly the same, wearing all the same expensive shoes and expensive clothes. And it's like, well, who said you needed to do that? But that just shows our need to want to fit in. But folks, I tell you, we, you know, and, and of course the enemy uses that to make us discontent. But when we discover that we're, we've been, each of us made beautifully in God's presence in, as individuals, then we can really enjoy creating things, creating an image, an an identity that comes from God himself. Because you know what? When we don't have that, then we're searching for it. And, and, And we become awkward. And you see it. You see the awkwardness in human beings who are looking to find a place to fit in, but it's it only God can provide that. And and in that place will be contentment and simplicity. Number five, know that God has made you fearfully and wonderfully, as I just said. You know, tap into your potential. Tap into your potential because God has put special things inside of you. And then finally, learn to be patient. Hold off that I have to have something big or a dream until you're ready to afford it or you can truly appreciate it or even as, 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 as an adult be able to... Um, Use it in such a way as it brings you and those who are in your life real pleasure and peace and value. A lot of times, folks, we, we dream our, our lives away, and there's actually another word for that. It's called fantasy, and fantasy is, is not vision. It's not a dream. You know, I love talking about vision, and a vision is something that comes from God when we think in terms of being a believer and, and tapping to, into the potential and the purpose of, uh, of, 
of every one of us as believers, followers of Christ. When we tap into that, when we get to know him, then he will help us get to know ourselves. And that's a wonderful reality. And if you want to slay that that demon, that giant of greed, because I'll tell you, greed is idolatry. Paul told us that. And that is kind of a shocking thought. Greed is not just something that, that, that gets in our way. No, it replaces God. And God is a jealous God. He wants to be your Lord and Savior. He wants to lead you into all of truth and ultimately for you to have peace and joy and contentment, which will come from simplicity and, of course, all come from him as our identity is found in him. Well, God bless you. And again, thanks for joining me on Take a Knee. You have an excellent week. We'll see you again soon.